This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3019 for Thursday, the 27th of February 2020. Today's show is entitled Linux in Laws Season 1, Episode 2 FOSDEM Shenanigans. It is hosted by Monochrome and is about 65 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Linux in Laws, a podcast about on topics around free and open source software. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insist on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption. In the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open plan office or similar environments, any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Season 1, Episode 2. Fostem Shenanigans. Martin, how are things? Hello, Chris. How are you? Not um, too bad. And yourself? <laughs> Not too bad, thank you. On a windy Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I probably have to cut out the pause for some strange odd reason. Uh, that was there, but it was only an hour, so that's okay. <laughs> Just padding out the recording. Now, yeah, yeah we we'll do. Um, <laughs> like we, like I edited out last time, the police right in front of my house, um, <laughs> drug enforcement agents busting through the door and all the rest of it. It wasn't pleasant, but... Um, I'm sure that none of the none of our yeah, audience recording heard this. from the uh, prison right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Explains no, a lot. I'm not <laughs> good. Excellent. So, Martin, what's been happening since we last spoke about a fortnight ago? Well, uh, we obviously have our Virgin episode out live in T minus thirteen four right? days. Yes. yes. So we have had some great feedback. From a small select group of people. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but it has been positive. So. Very uh, what good. A, what about you yourself, Chris? What I can't, are you doing? can't complain, actually. I want to, I want to force them. Force them. What's yes. this? Uh, force them. Um, for, what, for, for, the, for the few members of our select audience that didn't listen to the, or that hasn't, that haven't listened to the last episode, force them is a small, congregation of open source enthusiasts about slightly more than 10,000 congregate in Brussels or in the suburb south of Brussels over the weekend um, celebrating beer, communism, open source very important and um, other interesting concepts and before you ask Martin um, Mm -hmm. um, FOSTEM, do you know what FOSTEM stands for? I've been there once, actually, a few years ago. But, um, free open source developer and some more bits. You see, this is the yeah. This I, okay. Marketing has done a proper job here. 
Um, because the original meaning was fuck obsolete software done by evil monopolies. Ah, yes. This is this. the original <laughs> meaning of FOSDEM. Unfortunately, the PC police shot, uh, kicked in shortly afterwards. Correct. Yes, shame. exactly. Mm. And they changed this to OSTEM, as a matter of fact, which of course then stand, is a uh, stand, uh, stand, stand, um, did stand for exactly. Um, Open source developers, developers European meeting. And then our beloved Richard M. Stallman said, sorry, you, we can't have this. It has to be free and open source developers European meeting. Hence the acronym FOSDEM was born. What's the free bit for then? The free bit. Um, hmm. yeah, as a free, no, the beer isn't, well, actually, no, and the beer isn't free. As a matter hmm. of fact, it's quite expensive because you're talking Belgium here. Yes. But, um, as we all know, um, Richard and Stallman, among other people, uh, is of the really cherishable opinion that software is similar, pretty, pretty much similar to ideas, has to be free. Hence this free bit. Isn't this synonymous with open source software? Um, or am I missing something here? Well, you ask some sports sports like the OSI and other, well, um, Sports post, let's put it this way, and they may have a different opinion. Um, for Richard M. Stone and other people, open source isn't necessarily free. And I get his point to some extent. Because it you is, can, the yeah, source you can, is open, therefore freely available. Okay. Um, and yes. not free. Now, <laughs> what, what's gonna, what's gonna follow now is about a two hour excursion into the, into the fun, aspects of open source licensing not uh, that will be reserved for future episodes <laughs> okay martin what do you know about the so-called gpl the GNU public license uh, it's, it's one of the ones out there there are many different ones name me name a few oh, that's a good question uh, what's the other famous one hmm. MIT, BSD, BSD, yes, Apache, that sort of thing. Yes, mm. no, maybe. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, what makes the GPL different from the other ones I just mentioned? Any, 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 any clues? It's got different letters. Yes, very important. <laughs> indeed, it's public. Yes, indeed, very, very, very good. No, as a matter of fact, it's got that... something to do with the uh, wildebeest as well, isn't it? <laughs> no, sorry, no, um, no, um. You see, the idea behind this was that, and this is where the free bit comes in. Um, as I, I, I think I alluded that to that on, on the previous episode already, essentially you're standing on the, on the, so, on the shoulder of giants with open source. Essentially you can reuse software components that other people have done already. This is the whole idea behind it. So the GPL specifically says, among other things, that you are supposed to, in certain variations of the GPL, or, or um, 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 actually required to publish any changes. In contrast to other so uh, open source licenses like Apache and BSD, where you where where you don't have to do this necessarily. You can do this. You can you can opt to do this, but only the GPL and friends require you to publish the changes. This is the important difference. Um, because Apache and MIT and other permissive licenses only say, here's the source code, do whatever you want with it. This is only relevant for commercial companies, surely? Or do you, uh, uh, no. the, the, your friendly hacker doesn't really care about any of these licenses? Uh, well, you see, it's, it's essentially about sharing, right? I mean, if you just gobble up source code and do whatever you want with it, who's going to benefit from 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 the from the changes you make to that source code? Yourself. And that's about it, exactly. Hmm. That's exactly it. No, no, but you could always obviously publish changes or suggest. Yes, but this is at your own disposal. Um, only with the GPL, especially with the Afero GPL, which is a particular type of GPL, you are required to publish the changes. This is the big difference. It's like uh, reading a book, thinking about the contents, coming up with new ideas, and then keeping these ideas to yourself. What is the benefit for the community in that case? Well, it's it's yeah. Again, see, uh, not 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 the best analogy there. Um, <laughs> thank you. 
Sorry. You need to work on your analogies. For our beloved audience, Karl Martin has yet to be introduced to finer aspects of communism, but that's okay. Now, sharing ideas on software is obviously beneficial. The more people talk about different ideas, and it all benefits the progress, right? That's that's fair enough. Which, you know, books are generally not based on, well... Anything relevant or, or, or uh, <laughs> most of them are not. You're right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, therefore, uh, that is not quite the same. But yeah. Um, Where, I mean, how how did we get to? I think the, the way. Yeah, I sorry. Go it, ahead. It's, it's it's pretty much um, uh, the licensing for open source is is only relevant for the, the, the you know the commercial companies out there, right? Who take a piece of open source software and uh, use it for their own benefit. Oh, you mean the AWS conundrum? For example, um, <laughs> hmm. well, you have a point there. Yes, that's correct. So, but yeah, your your friendly hacker. Yes, he if he takes a piece of software, no matter which license it is, he builds an application for himself to mine some Bitcoin or whatever he wants to do. Right? It's that's that's all good. It doesn't matter which license it is under. Well, you see, it, it, you see, that's a it's a fundamental notion in terms of uh, should ideas be free. With the GPL, there certainly are. With MIT and other permissive licenses, especially with three clause BSD and so forth, they don't have to be because you can lock them in. You can lock them into your code base. You can lock them into your implementation. They won't see the light of day. Mm -hmm. It's simple as that. Yeah. Hence okay. the difference between kind of the level of permissiveness and the overall attitude towards open source licensing. I can see both sides working for an open core company. That's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. The money has to come from, from somewhere, but I totally <laughs> get the idea of ideas and software and these general concepts being free and are, and are allowed to be free because essentially that's what GP, what the GPL stands for. But then I'm a communist at heart and we're a strong believer too when it comes down to that, love, to, to that sort of thing. So that's okay. Not everybody is, I might add. So there's a small amount of the population is, is communist indeed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it that, that the open core company you work for, that's quite an interesting point, right? It's, um, you know, you're, if, if we're looking at the, the, the use of open source software in organizations, right? They do generally not contribute back a great deal. They will just implement Postgres. They'll implement Redis. They'll run Linux, right? And um, they'll do this quite happily and uh, charge their customers money for the service they provide. So how does this uh, reconcile with your um, communism software ideas? Um, just sort of curiosity, you know a company called Zalando? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, your wife probably buys from them, or maybe you do too, but you wear the stuff only on the weekends when nobody's watching. <laughs> anyway... Sorry, for the people who do not know who Zalando is, it's one of the prime online retailers in Europe. Funny thing is, they use a lot of open source. And now here's the interesting bit. They do have community man managers who appear on open source podcasts to talk about their, their, pull, their, 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 um, their pull requests that they contribute back to the community on places such as GitHub. But they're a minority, right? The Zalandos of the world. Well, good question. Um, IBM has contributed a lot, so has Microsoft. You may argue that this was only for the benefit of Azure, but hmm. but about seven or eight years ago, they were the top kernel contributor for Linux, as in kernel contributions, um, in order to better the para-virtualization layer <laughs> and probably make it compatible to something like Azure. But... And this is the important bit. Linus, in I think 94 or 95, maybe a year later, made one important change. Any guesses? To the code, to the kernel code base. 94, 95. Maybe later. I can't remember the exact year, but he put it under GP, what was then GPL version two. Hmm. Okay. Meaning that every bit of, of, of kernel code you touch, you have to publish the changes. Very important. Mm -hmm. There are quite a few court cases pending. Um, 
There's a guy in Hamburg, I can't remember the name, but your friendly search engine of choice, I'm sure, will, 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 is able to help you there, um, who filed a court case against a company called VMware, uh, mm. which has subsequently acquired a company called Pivotal, as some of you may know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not too sure what happened to the court case. I think it was thrown out. But again, some judges, I reckon, don't get it. Okay. Well, the the, the, the law doesn't generally uh, work on the don't get it or do get it. It's generally unfortunately on... no. It doesn't <laughs> yet to be ch- still has to be changed, right? We work we oh, work on this. This is task on great, for... great big books of law written down laws, right? But perhaps they don't cover uh, <laughs> things like ideas and freedom of those. Well, rather they they restrict them, right? I mean, just take a look at the whole copyright thing. Which again leads up to open source licenses. Okay, enough, we digress. We digress. Enough, yes. enough rambling. Exactly. How do we get? How do? How do we get there? Fostem, of course. Fostem. Yes. Fostem. Mm. You've never been to Fostem. I have been to Fostem once. You've um, been. To, when, when was that? That was five years ago, six years ago, something like that. So mm. we mm. missed each other among these then eight thousand people. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, unless you were working for Hortonworks at the time, and uh, uh, <laughs> no. What did you get Hortonworks? No, no, I was, I was educating Hortonworks mm. on, on, on how they should be At first, um, implementing Hadoop uh, better, yeah. Um, side note, Martin, is the smart one of us. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Um, okay, so uh, how was it? Yeah, what about yourself? You? How, how many times have you been to Fosdem? <laughs> uh, this is my know. eighth year in a row. Okay, almost half. Very yeah. good, very good. So eight years you, in a row, I see. So yeah, you're, so, you're sorry. Honest. Yes, I've been. I, this my this was my eighth year now. I've been making a point of going to Foster as and not missing it for the last eight years. Okay, so there's um, obviously some 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 attraction to this. Uh, not related to Belgian beers, perhaps. Uh, I just like standing in the rain at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> arguing with um, um, Open Sousa. Kind of, what, what, I think it's, um, it's it's Richard Brown, and he's one of the chief architects of of, of OpenSUSE about the fine, uh, about the finer points of licensing. This is what I'm really game about, and I don't mind catching cold afterwards. Richard, if you're listening, all is forgot, uh, all is forgiven. We're still friends. The, right? um, the, the the local pub was closed at the time, was it? Or? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Did she go to <laughs> did, did she go to Delirium on a Friday night? Delirium. That's yes. an Interesting beer. Yeah. No, Have it's you... it's it's also a pub in the center of Brussels. Extremely well deserve the associated beer. Absolutely. Mm. Um, it's ha- it has been not the best for, good for yeah. your health, to be honest. <laughs> it, uh, you see, it's like any proper medication. It depends on the dose, right? Paracelsus <laughs> 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 spottedly observed that about 600 or 700 years ago, and he has a point. Or I had a point anyway. Okay. Um, the Friday night is important. Why is that important? Because everybody gathers there. Um, hence the restriction. They do, uh, they do ask questions at the door. If you cannot answer them, because the place is reserved for foster attendees, you won't, you won't get in. <laughs> okay. Is this so, is anything to do with licenses? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, okay, I mean, good. I mean, the, the, the only sure far uh, way in order to get in, to get in is actually wearing a foster t-shirt. Because that proves that you have been there before. Right. Oh, you've um, stolen it from a, Friendly tramp, I saw somebody. That would be illegal, so we don't do this, right? Very important. Okay. Oh, this um, is a novel idea. But the this, few, uh... Yeah, the few times that I haven't worn a Fostem t-shirt, I normally hassle them with license questions or questions about Rust or code bases. That normally does the trick too. Or CB for short. Indeed, yes. <laughs> That's yes, very important. I'm not familiar with Okay, for those of you who haven't been to Fostem, you must go. Uh, this is somewhat counterproductive, me saying this, because I, when I first went to Fostum, there were about 6,000 people. The attendance has doubled in science ever since. Mm. The official line is still 8,000, but that's mostly for insurance reasons. <laughs> um, no, seriously, uh, because it's, it, it's taking place at something called the ULB, the University Leap of Brussels, mm-hmm. which is in Excel, which is a small suburb of, of, in, in, of southern Brussels. Um, if the university would find out how many people were really attending, I reckon they would 
kick out that format in terms of the event because for for for, for security and insurance reasons, not more than around eight thousand people can participate. Let's hope nobody from the uh, Belgium University is going to be listening to our podcast here. <laughs> um, by the looks of it, they never they never do. No, that's okay. Um, uh, okay, so will be will be listeners. This is purely an assumption. Of course, I may be wrong. Do not ask the organizers. <laughs> Just in case you're listening, right? Kid, Very important. Kid. They right. will tell can, you can, the can... truth, which is 8,000 people, full stop. Not mm. a single soul more. Right. So name three <laughs> anyway. reasons why to go to FOSS then. Um, delirium. Okay. Catching code afterwards when talking to, to open source architects. <laughs> um, and of course, sharing, learning, and meeting people. Um, Martin, do you know what a hallway track is? It's a track in a hole. Indeed, it's so not some, part, and it has to do with miniature railways. No, perhaps, no, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> Thank God, it doesn't. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, the hallway track is something not in the schedule, not in the agenda, not in the program. It As in, you meet takes people, place in the hall. <laughs> that's exactly it. First of all, when I first heard it, I didn't like the term, but uh, the, the the longer I'm kind of in, engaging with the community, the more it grows on me. Uh, because essentially, yes, the, import, the the talks are important, no doubt about that. The, 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 the sessions are just amazing. Uh, you get to meet everybody under the sun who is anything important or not contributing to open source. Leonard Pettering Petter, gave a talk on the home directory issue. Uh, about a week ago. Um, uh, who else was there? The Tor project gave an update on the, on the, on the, on, on the Tor project, funny enough, and so forth. Um, the curl maintainer talked about HTTP3. It's that sort of, uh, I wouldn't say gentry, but projects <laughs> that you're going to meet there. About a couple of years ago, Cody gave an update on the, on the, our beloved home theater code base. You always have the people with the VLC hats attending mm. for them. And needless to say, you have about two levels of booths where some of the projects have, a, have their, have, have their representation. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's, it's about attending talks and, and get, and, 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 and attending sessions, but it's also very much about meeting people, making new friends and exchanging ideas and knowledge. Uh, hence this notion of the fringe, of the fringe events around FOSDEM. For example, for the last about five years, um, the centerized project, as in the, um, the breeding ground, for, hmm. <laughs> I'm almost tempted to say, um, for, for, for Red Hat. No, it's actually, sorry, Red Hat people. If you're listening, it's the other way around. <laughs> Fedora comes first and then Red Hat turns to commercial and CentOS claims it back again. That's the way it works, right? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, the CentOS people have a dojo on the Friday just before the Saturday. And I normally attend this. And this is valuable as such, uh, because you have kernel maintainers there. You have other people there. You have Fedora people there. Needless to say, the CentOS people are there too. And it's just a fun day of, of a packed agenda. And I really like it. Okay. Good stuff. What's your key takeaway from last year's FOSDEM? Mm. Don't go there on an empty stomach. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. <laughs> just in case. Uh, sorry. Yes. If you want to bring your own packed lunch, because the queues are just amazing. You have right. food trucks, um, at the very back of, of one of the, of the, of the, of the, of the halls. But if it's, I mean, especially if you're going lunchtime, um, expect queues to be really long. Um, there was this guy called, what's what was, uh, Andrew Conway, right? That was, that, that yes. was the guy. Sorry, Andrew, if you're listening, mm. great job. Really liked you seeing at the, at the, at the hacker public radio stand and nice in introduction into, into, into Fosdem. Um, full disclaimer, just the episode, I think before or after our virgin episode is actually, sorry, after, I think, after, after, our, after our virgin episode, is Andrew Conway talking about his, about his first experience of his first foster, uh, experience of his first foster. Anyway, it doesn't matter. If you have a chance, listen to it. It's about half an hour long. The audio quality is okay. Fair enough. He did many things live. That's great. Apparently not an awful lot of editing going on, but that's okay. Um, but the, account of Fostem is pretty accurate, I think. Martin, you've been there too. So, I mean, what, what do you make of the podcast? 
Yeah, that's a great description. Um, I guess I guess it's really what you summarized rightly. If you are into open source software, if you want to uh, find out the latest on the projects, if you want to meet the people who maintain these and <clears throat> progress them, then it's a good place to go. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, the beer is a nice side story. Really, uh, Belgium is famous for its thousand different beers, and um, yeah. Only a thousand? I thought it was more than that. Uh, it's a thousand that I've tried anyway. I can't. <laughs> You've tried a thousand beers? Oh, it's a, yeah, probably. Mm. Um, this is this is the thing to do if you if you're in the, Belgium for yeah. a, a, a number of months. Yeah. Um, Try all the different beers. For the benefit of the of the listeners, uh, Martin is not really from the UK. Um, if Martin wants to disclose his origin, that's okay. But he it's it's from a country not far away from Belgium, so. Yes, it shows. The legacy shows. But that's okay. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And we keep the other vice of the week for later. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. Um, coming back to Fosdem. Um, yeah, wh why should you go? It's really about, as I said, if you are even closely related to, to anything open source, make it a point. You don't have to go there every year, but just do it once. And then decide if, if it's worth going back. <laughs> It will be packed. There's no doubt about that. Um, um, <sighs> delirium isn't mandatory. You don't have to go there on a Friday night. You can do, but expect to be expect the place to be really packed. If you want to have a quiet moment, as in about ten seconds, go there before eight p.m. Um, what I normally do is normally I go to one of the fringe events. Um, I then make a quick, um, depending on where they are, and then make a quick stop at the accommodation, drop the luggage, and then head back into town. But I'm normally, if I'm not distracted by OpenSUSE architects, <laughs> back before midnight. Um, the reason is that the first, I think the first keynote session opens at around 9, 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock. But... Uh, you need your beauty sleep, of course. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Um, we all do because we are... Slightly older than spring chickens. <laughs> okay, leave it at that. Anyway, so, so a very quick question. Okay, so say you are uh, heavily uh, into, uh, say, Postgres as an open source project. What would the benefit this be is... to go to a Fosdem if you are, you know, very focused on a particular project, right? Fosdem is one of these legacy SQL databases, right? I keep forgetting. Postgres, indeed. Yes, yes PostgreSQL. To be quite as old uh, as MySQL, or even though Maria is slightly younger, but older, yes, yes, okay. Mm. Um, sorry for the cool kids. Um, it's one of the legacy things. You will come across that in your repo. Um, if you're SQL oriented, that's probably the database to check out. If you're gonna, if you want to go for new databases powering new workloads, probably not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I digress. Why, why do you want to go there? Um. It's yeah, no, so, so my, my, my question was really, you know, if, you know FOSDEM is a general event, right? It has many, many different projects and it is bigger than your, you know, so, so if you're a Postgres contributor, then you go to your Postgres conference, right? If you are Correct. a, um, likewise, a Redis or a Linux contributor, then you go to your uh, associated OpenSUSE uh, conference. You can do that, but on the other side, um, why do you want to confine yourself? Uh, I mean, you have... Okay, Fosdem. You have general tracks. Um, for example, the Tor project gave a presentation on one of the main tracks. Also, did the um, uh, did the the the, the HTTP uh, three thing was also happening as one of the of the main sessions. But then you, but then you have the dev rooms. So these dev rooms cover everything from radio from radio defined software. Sorry, software-defined radio. <laughs> it's getting late. Software-defined radio, <laughs> right up to programming languages like Rust, Golang, Haskell, Python, you name it. Then you have dev rooms on microkernel architectures, embedded systems, IoT. Just take your pick. Fostum is probably the conference on a global scale that has the most diversity when it comes down to topics and subjects. Um, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. If if you wanna if you wanna go to, if if you wanna be at a conference that only discusses I/O scheduling and slab allocation on a kernel level, the Plumbers conference um, 
uh, excursion or, or, or interlude. As far as I know, the Plumbers Conference is by invitation only. Uh, so you just can't go there and show up. So you have to be invited, I think. But then I'm not a kernel contributor, so I don't really know. Anyway, this is your hangout then, or to, or to, or go to a Debian, what are they called? Debian architecture conference or something like this. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if, if, if you want to, if you want to stick to your, to your subject, that's fine. Just, just attend that specialized conference. OpenSUSE runs conferences, I think, in, on an annual basis. So if you're an OpenSUSE user, just, just, or SUSE or Celeste user, just go there. Okay, so, but so, you wanna, your, your, so your point to the listener is really uh, that you can broaden your horizons and learn about exactly other it, yes. cool products and languages, etc. Especially um, if you want to, if you want to spot new trends. Rumor has it that some years back, some people came up with the idea of having containers already spun up, ready to take workloads, um, and hence the notion of a serverless architecture evolved. And apparently that was bred up at a first step. So current law goes, which is now a multi-billion dollar industry or something like this, alongside this whole hosting shenanigans, shenanigans as in, mm -hmm. what's it called? Cloud, right? Use other users, use other um, 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 people's computers. Correct. Because essentially that's what a cloud is, right? So. Mm. Yes, but, uh, enough, so, so but, on, but, on, on the developer yeah. room side, um, I hear there were some talks in that um, in the in the Rust mm. room this year. Indeed, yeah, there was a Rust room, and funny enough, um, in contrast to kind of my my real kind of wild dreams, my, my my proposal was accepted. So I did presentation on, and that was my first person presentation. Um, if you choose to take a look at the video, you see a certain level of of nervousness, and that's quite normal because. I've, I've, I've delivered many, 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 many presentations at many different conferences, but that was my first first time talking. So yes, uh, check out the tough audience, the, yeah. tough audience. No, <laughs> yeah. Packed audience. Not, I wouldn't say tough, but packed audience. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting questions afterwards. Uh, sorry. Yes. Um, if you missed out on the first episode, I presented on the performance of the Rust re-implementation of something called Redis JSON, which is document-oriented to be on top of an in-memory database called Redis. Um, and Redis is, of course, under the, under three-clause BSD license, all the rest of it. You know it. Uh, check it out on GitHub. Um, uh, commercial break-end. Jokes aside, there, there was an initial implementation um, done in C. And um, I juxtaposed this to the re-implementation as part of Redis JSON 2 in Rust. And the performance benchmarks that are run using uh, Yahoo Cloud Server Serving Benchmark, YACB, were quite interesting because it turns out that the performance penalty that you're paying between a C-based implementation and a Rust-based implementation are quite minimal. You're talking anything between two to five, depending on the use case, maybe up to seven percent. Um, but you get the benefits of a strongly typed language, including a very sophisticated memory management, all the rest of it, um, free and gratis when using it. So the main point, well, just boiling down to the Reddish and Reddish JSON uh, two code base was that the performance overhead is not that significant when when, when you're talking about re-implementing a previously existing code base in C again in Rust. Also, did something important, something interesting. I took um, the native Redis performance figures and 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 compared them to Redis JSON, and that's it. And that the overhead was quite significant. When going from typical strings or hashes to documents, as Redis-JSON Im implements them, um, for for the ones who are interested in that sort of thing, the slides and the presentation um, uh, in terms of the of the session recording is on Fostem. Check it out. Um, I'm sure these links will also appear on our friendly Linux indoors website. Absolutely. Good. Funny that you mentioned that. Yes, we do have a website. It's called linuxinlaws.eu. It's in the, it's it's a, it's a labor of love. It's 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 a work in progress, but it does exist. Um, 
And yes, um, we will make amends to that website over time. You will you will find further information, and if I or if we finally get around it, you will also find show notes. In the meantime, these show notes also appear on something called Hacker Public Radio, where we will continue to publish the episodes. More on this later. Martin, say something. That that should actually be our 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 cue, right? <laughs> This is not whoa, the whoa, second. Whoa, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What's, what's, fifth, which which bit is the key? <laughs> what to say something? Yes, yes. Um, okay, listen. Do check out the first episode. Um, the, the, yes, the first check episode out the first starts episode, with. Yes. Um, I'm ex I'm trying to explain open source, and then I'm lost for words, and I say something, and I say something along the lines. Martin says something, and then and the whole shenanigans <laughs> starts. Okay. So this is, has this has now been promoted to the official queue of something called LinuxInlaws.eu. Martin, indeed, say indeed. something. Excellent. Okay, so now on to the weekly news item, or the bi-weekly news item, since we are publishing every two weeks. Indeed. Okay, so Chris, what is your bi-weekly main news item? <sighs> Didn't we discuss that, that you would be coming up with this and I would just be taking questions on this? Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. You go. Hang on a minute. I'm I'm bringing the news item, and you're taking questions on this. Yes, as in, what does it stand for? What does it mean? What are the implications? Okay. What the um, news item? No, that was that was that was the section one, which was the first then, right? Okay. Which we've done. I'm confused. You can use. I'm going to use the right section one was FOSDEM. We've done FOSDEM, right? Yes. yes. No. Yes. Anything else you want to say on FOSDEM? I could say a million things. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I think the commercial yeah, practice. Oh, yes. Uh, very important. Um, okay. Andrew Line. Andrew spoke about this already. Um, if you're going to FOSDEM, make one thing sure: look into accommodation time. Well aware. Well ahead of the, Well ahead of time. In advance. Is the in advance. Thank yes. you very much. Because. Um, you're welcome. If you're looking into this just a week before, the places will be booked solid. Um, I know, uh, being the being the fanatic, detail-loving, obsessed German, I normally look into that about half a year before Fostum actually takes place. Also, bear in mind, Fostum is not in Brussels; it's south of Brussels. So, if you book something north of the city, uh, of the city center. You can easily look at a commute of at least half an hour, if not an hour, depending on traffic. And people, do yourself a favor: don't take the car. But Brussels has an excellent transport, uh, public transport system. Um, small caveat: it stops at around one o'clock. After that, you're looking at cabs or maybe night buses. Um, as I found out when the discussion with Richard finally stopped uh, last year at around 2.30 p.m. and I could walk home from Delirium right up to the place in Excel where, where, where I was staying, it took me about an hour and a half, uh, or maybe just kind of, um, uh, yeah, slightly under under under, under 80 minutes. Um, and uh, Brussels, the way down there, is not uh, kind of a uh, sight worth seeing at that time of the day. <laughs> So, um, yes, but, but, I mean, if, if you, I mean, and especially if you kind of stay in, in, in Excel or Etabek or Excel uh, around there, you can easily take a bus or kind of walk there. But you only get these places if you book well in advance. <coughs> Great also, tip. Excellent. Also, something important. If you're arriving, if you're arriving anywhere from mainland Europe, <coughs> excuse me. Um, a plane, yes, is an option, but uh, the train services are just amazing. Brussels has about two main, three main stations and has regular services from Paris, from Frankfurt, from, from even, I think, even from this I called Great Britain, right? Yes, yeah, no, it's, it's on <laughs> the, um, uh, the high speed train line. Uh, so you can go for Holland, France, UK, uh, all in no time. Indeed. What else is there to say? Yeah, bring warm clothes. Very important because <laughs> Brussels camp is a, umbrella. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't forget that too. I mean, I mean, we're talking about last last weekend of of uh, of January, or most of the times uh, first weekend of February. Um. Yes, and Brussels can be pretty cold. Even if you're not standing in front of delirium talking to <laughs> open source architects until one thirty or something. Excellent. That sounds like some great tips there for our listeners. Yes. Um uh, onto the news item. 
Um, okay. It's been a while, but as you may or may not know, or may not know, Martin, um, a guy called Richard M. Starman somewhat voluntarily gave up um, presidency of something called the Free Software Foundation. Okay. And his reasoning was, is? Uh, he was, uh, he was given food for thought in order to do so. Which is? Unfortunate. Okay. <laughs> or great, depending <laughs> on your point of view. <laughs> no, what was the food for thought, right? So, uh, the food for thought was <clears throat> he made, okay, um, I'm just a loose follower, follower of SFF issues. So the following account may or may not be accurate in the, in, in, in some sort of level of detail. Apparently there was an MIT professor, um, disclaimer as far as I know. Um, uh, Richard is still a resident of sorts or has some sort of job at the MIT or had anyway. Um, and uh, there was some 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 professor that was loosely affiliated with a guy called Weinstein Weinstein whatever, his name is essentially the guy behind the whole Me Too thing, um, who made a couple of appearances in court recently. And there was a comment being made by by Richard about something close to don't quote me on it to something close to us or, or resembling something remotely called a witch hunt. As I said, I have to be PC here, and that wasn't exactly um, the most favorable statement. The most favorable statement with some people in the FSF, and they strongly suggested of uh, stepping down. Richard has managed to cling on to the GNU project for the time being, but um, yes, it's uh, and of course the jury is still out on this whether that was a good, smart, or ugly move. On the side of the Free Software Foundation, um, what do you know about a guy called Richardson Stormont, Martin? Oh, far less than you do, I'm sure. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> uh, the... An excellent retort, but do continue. <laughs> uh, I seem to remember he featured in one of our quiz uh, nights recently. Yes, he did indeed. <laughs> Why did he feature in our quiz, uh, Chris? Um, okay, um, Martin must have to do pub quiz a couple of months back, and uh, I came up with the with the with the loony questions and, and the loony answers, and of course Richard M. Stallman was was <laughs> needless to say part of this pub quiz. Um, for for those of you who don't know the audience, um, Richard M. Stallman is behind something called the Free for Software Foundation, which he founded I think forty or fifty years back. Um, he was also instrumental in writing something called Emacs. Um, Emacs is that operating system disguised as an editor. Uh, what else did he did he invent? I think yeah, he also came up with this idea of um, the GNU project. The GNU project, of course, being a recursive acronym for GNU's not Unix. The idea was at the time, and you're looking at seventy uh, at, this, at the seventies, maybe early eighties to create a free and open source alternative to something called Unix. Unix at the time was highly proprietary. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, if you're interested in that sort of thing, there was a beautiful talk on the history of Unix at this year's FOSDEM. Um, the stream's out there, just check it out. Unix being proprietary, it wasn't exactly down Mr. Mr. Stormont's alley, so he came up with the idea of A, um, doing a free and uh, free and open source alternative to to, to Unix, and B make, making of course the source code available to the general public. Uh, you're talking about, as I said, 70s, 80s, um, maybe early 90s. So uh, quite a few people sat down and wrote what is now used as the majority of the user land, for at least from a command line perspective, for operating systems like BSD. The BSDs, sorry, before I get misquoted. The BSDs, something called Linux. Um, what else is there? Um, Sigwin on a, on a, on a, um, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a Windows basis. 
and some other POSIX compliant operating systems, they all, if, if they're using any part of the GNU utilities or GNU toolchain, like GCC, like the compiler, like the, um, like the, like the, um, like the tools, and like LS or, 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 or like the, um, like the typical command line tools like sort, org, and other things, they go back to the GNU project. Or most of them do in that in a particular fashion. So much of the code base of your ordinary user land would have been contributed by the by, by GNU. The only thing missing at the time was something called kernel. There was an attempt from the project, as in GNU Storm and as in as in Richard Storm and friends, to to develop something called Hurt H U R D. A guy called Mike Bushnell started this at the order of the project, I think in the late 80s, early 90s. I met him in a, in a, at a Mark conference in 93 in Albuquerque. At the time, you couldn't even boot the kernel. Um, I think it is my understanding that you can boot it now, at least in a uh, on a virtual machine. Not a sure about extra hardware, but the thing is that um, given the time span that has passed, the project has yet to deliver a, functioning, a fully functioning kernel. To much of, I think, Richard's demise, something else came up. In 92, a guy called Linus Torvalds decided to take a look at Minix, didn't exactly see what he liked when it came down to terminal emulation and wrote his own thing. The rest is history. Timing was instrumental. Um, because Linux and friend, Linus and friends wrote the kernel they had to rely on an already existing user land, which was provided by the GNU project. Hence, Richard's notion of, no, it's not Linux, it's actually something called GNU Linux. The kernel, yes, is important, but the rest is much more important. Um, the kernel is only a small thing, and so it has to be GNU Linux, not just Linux. Hence the controversy around this in recent years. Um, and that's a bit of history surrounding this. That's a good history lesson there, thank you. But this um, this news of his uh, departure was actually kind of old news, as in September about, last year? Yeah, about a couple of months. Hmm. Okay, so we're a bit, it's, bit, bit it's, behind with the events, are we? It's still, it's still reverted, but it, because it was, a, it was a, a subject of discussion that I had with quite a few people, actually, in Brussels. See, so, so it's still—I wouldn't say headline news, but it's still around. Okay, good stuff. What else is there to talk about? What do you have a tech tip for our listeners, Chris? Or is, is that kind of mm. summarized in your uh, Rust versus C um, tip that you gave us earlier? Mm, tech tip. Um, I do. Um, get. What do you know about Git? It's kind of handy for um, source code control. Indeed. And it's open source, which is always good. Uh, which license does it have, uh, Chris? I do not know. Okay, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're uh, not likely to We just use it. <laughs> that information, dear listenership, will be provided as part of the show notes or not, depending. <laughs> My assumption is it's a, it's a very permissive license like Apache. I think it's Apache if I'm completely mistaken, but I might be wrong. Um, okay. Um, as we found out while we're working on the website, because we are both developing it, um, there will be, uh, sorry, yes, uh, the first, uh, the first episode was called How This Shit Works. Um, when deliberating about a future shows, um, and Martin agrees to some extent, there will be a second part of this detailing the technical things, how we do things across something called the, the cat, what's called the channel exactly, separating mainland Europe from a splinter country called Great Britain, <laughs> if I'm completely mistaken. Um, yeah, but, uh, but by the way, yeah, Martin, what do you, what do you, I mean, b b before I go back to, 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 to the tech tip, what uh -huh. do you, what do you make of Mexit? Mexit. Uh, is this something to do with Angela Merkel, perhaps? Say again? 
Is this something to do with Angela Merkel? Uh, no, no, it doesn't actually. <laughs> Not um, them. There's something called around, I think in the UK, something called uh, something around called a constitutional monarchy, if I'm completely mistaken. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And one of the offsprings of the offsprings of the offsprings has decided to... It's too much. It was too much effort, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in short. Um, Sorry, uh, yeah, um, apparently, so common law goes uh, from a continental perspective, um, the wrong lassie was married, to use a Scottish technical term. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Hence, uh, that lassie decided to change things. Um, and well, there Martin... has, of course, been a president uh, in these matters <laughs> uh, in the, uh, was it in the 1930s. Mm, that was a similar monarch who departed with an American woman. Yes. Um, Martin may have a different inside perspective than me looking at this from the outside, but I reckon that good old, good old Lizzie isn't too happy about recent developments. I mean, no, she, she wasn't, I mean she she wasn't she's in a pleased, tough spot, right? So. I mean, she has a moron of a son. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> my personal opinion. Uh, sorry, um, a, a breakaway son who wasn't happy in the first marriage, ditched the wife, then got married to some hack, for want of a better expression. <laughs> um, the offspring, of course, was still around. Needless to say, when you divorce, your, uh, if you divorce your wife at such a stage, but the, when the kids are still small, it has a certain impact on the children. Um, plus the fact that the recent developments in this country are not exactly, I reckon, favorable for... In any, any, any particular uh, recent developments you're referring to here? Um, there was a thing called, there, there was a thing called um, Brexit on the, at the end of January, if I'm, if I'm not completely mistaken. Correct, correct. That's only um, a few days ago. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think, let's put it this way, Lizzie wasn't exactly in favor of this happening. There weren't many people that were in favor of it, but somehow it still <laughs> managed to happen. She's okay. Um, you see, this is the trouble with monarchy, uh, with democracy, right? If you invent democracy, people can vote. Yes. yes, yes. And people be uh, uh, avoid people voting yeah, at all yeah, costs. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, you see, the thing is basically in olden times, when the likes of Lizzie still had their way, and to say that wouldn't have happened because. Boris would have been A in the tower, B decapitated, and C quarter in no time. <laughs> there wouldn't have been a Brexit in the first place. You see. Correct. But with this yeah, yeah. nonsense of democracy, and never mind only a constitutional monarchy, the reign for the um, people who are easily influenced by evil politicians was free. So votes could be swung. And the wrong this decisions is, uh, could be made. Yeah, I mean, uh, do, do you know, have a democracy in Germany there, Chris? We do, but we do it in a sensible way, I think. By not having uh, <coughs> a... Um, do you have proportional representation there? We do. Okay, does that work for you? Most of the time it does, yeah. <laughs> okay. But then you're looking at a strange country anyway, because um, Germany is footing much of the bill of Europe, right? Or for Europe, whatever. I mean, in terms of money. Yes, alongside France and England, so it's very it's very sad to see England go. Never mind what had what NHS is losing out on or, or won't get back. Mm, interesting point, but there we are. It's it's yeah. Uh, Germany has taken over Europe once again. By, does it? Does, yeah. does it? Okay. Well, <laughs> funding it all. Yeah. Well, ask the Greek. Um, I don't know. But uh, uh, where were we? Um, okay. Mexit, um, yes. Mexit, yes, of course. Uh, did you know actually that the, their business plan had, had has one fatal mistake? Whose business plan? Sorry. Um, um, Megan's and 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 uh, Harry's. Well, they won't get any cash anymore from the family. Yeah, I think <laughs> this is still this is still to be debated. No free housing. They they only trademark. Um, they only trademarked because it's in the past. Um, uh, what's it called um, Sussex Royals or something in Great Britain, not beyond. Trademark. trademark is an American law, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, protected, whatever. Uh, so, 
whenever mm. you want to uh, whenever you want to sell a mark with their fa- with their faces on it and fantastic <laughs> royals you can only claim money in the uk for doing so in terms of um you can only they can only make money that sort of thing in the uk yeah in the uk and that's a major flaw in their business plan <clears throat> well who would want a mug with their mugs on anyway right hmm. About what remain remaining seventy percent of the of something called the Commonwealth of Nations. They want a mug with the the Megans on it, do they? Just take a look at Canada, Australia, and some other splinter countries. They're uh, big into into the monarchy and all the rest of them. Nah, this is only the people that actually turn up when they visit, right? So waving some flags around. That's that's like a thousand people. <laughs> the general population. But, uh, have you taken a look at, at at the sales figures since Diana died of, of associated memorabilia? No, I'm afraid not. This is not really... <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> You're not really my, my specialist topic. That doesn't matter, Martin. That doesn't matter. Just take a look at the money that they were making. I see. Um, so, so, yeah. It sounds so, like you're um, actually quite interested in the monarchy there. Well, it's... I mean... Zunze said about uh, 5,000 years ago, you cl- the closer to your enemy you are, the higher the chance of that you win the war, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's not because you're, you're missing such a fabulous institution yourself in Germany. Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you had us fooled there for a moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, disclaimer, I'm half Irish almost anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Which half? Let's <laughs> not, not, no. not go into that. Yeah. Okay, uh, no... Um, of course, my heart is out there with uh, Lizzie and friends, not only from an Irish perspective, but anyway. Uh, okay, back to the sex tip. Um, yes, um, Git. The thing is that uh, this is not exactly common knowledge, but it's very handy. Because what we, what Martin and myself are doing when it comes down to linuxinlaws.eu, we are changing the websites, changing the website rather, um, from both sides of the canal, meaning that on a server, Actually, on my server, because now it's running again. Without <laughs> delay, I'm at that. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a serverless instance of Git um, being able um, to accept so-called pushes. Not even not pull requests, but just pushes. So Martin and myself are contributing to that website through Git. And as part of a push of content to that website... Um, because Martin decided it would be good to use Markdown to construct the website. We're using Pandoc. That's probably another tech tip for another episode. Um, Pandoc essentially translates Markdown to HTML. Among other things, right? Among other things, exactly. So what Git does, when you send a push to the server, it does a full check of the, of the website, so any template changes, any CSS change, whatever, are then live immediately after a push on the website. Plus, you invoke you invoke Pandoc, and this Pandoc then takes any modified Markdown and trans- and and translates it into HTML then and there, meaning that after each push, the website has been updated live. And this is something in 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 Git that's called a hook. You find this in your directory called .git in the hook subdirectory. This is, of course, documented. It's not something that is highly known, very, very known of, and uh, no, 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 known widely, let's put it this way, but it's very handy. It's a nice uh, bit of automation, indeed. Because you can put any commands into this, in, 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 into the hooks, because essentially these hooks are just shell scripts that you execute, or that Git executes upon certain actions, like a commit, um, like a push and so forth. Document, check it out, but it comes in really handy for that sort of scenario. Excellent. Yeah, no, it's working really well. So, great setup there. Okay, given the fact that we're clocking in just about under yeah, an hour, yeah, it's yes. now time for the vices of the week. Martin, what's your vice? Last week was kind of busy, so not really got around to any vices, I'm afraid. It's just been too hectic. Uh, let's have a think. Mm-hmm. What was the... Hmm. No, 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 just a few beers is probably the worst. What the... What beers are you referring to? Uh, Doom Bar, Timothy Taylor, 
Do tell more. <laughs> Quality beers or you are just a British crap ale. <laughs> Sorry, asking. <laughs> we, we have a diverse uh, beer taste, uh, Chris and I. <laughs> Obviously, mine being the, the the more knowledgeable one here, but he just likes sort of gassy IPAs from weird microbreweries that are artificial and so on. But for those who, who enjoy a genuine beer taste. <laughs> <laughs> Crappy ales, in other words. <laughs> do enlighten us, Martin. Please do. It's a, uh, You spent some time in Ireland, didn't you, Chris? So did you drink IPAs there? Uh, no. That, uh-huh. was before the, that was before the craft beer rave. Yes. Following praise, the trends, praise, praise, are we? Yes. Mm. yes, given the fact that I'm a um, somewhat older follower of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Um, no, what was the last good beer that you drank, apart from the ones that we drank in Prague? <laughs> it's been a while, but anyway. There have been many since. But, um, none Why of doesn't the, that uh... surprise me? <laughs> okay. No, no um, IPAs. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, my vice of the week, It's uh, there are two vices, actually. It's, it's something called Atlantic Ale, done by Stoddebecker. It's actually, indeed, a craft beer. But um, there's something called Fucking Hell. Have you heard about this, Martin? It's a place in Germany, no? Hmm. Um, either it Austria is. or Germany, yes. yes. And something called Hell is the local brew. Hmm. This is why the beer is called. <laughs> yes. well, who, what, what came first, the beer or the, the, the place name? Yeah, the place someone, name. Or the, the, are you sure you <laughs> didn't just invent a um, a local village to, to for marketing reasons there? No, I'm quite positive. Okay. It doesn't sound very German somehow, this this name. Hell? No, it sounds British. <laughs> and that's not place, well, I, that's not a place where you want to be, actually. <laughs> no, um, in Germany it would be Fucking, which is close to... What's what I'm looking for? I don't know. Does it mean anything? Um, no. Let's see. In contrast to the English Berlin. word... No. Uh, that refers to a certain Frankfurt, sexual yeah. activity, no? <laughs> anyway, so uh, long story short, about, what, 15, 20 years ago, some chap decided to start a brewery there and call it, hell is the word for, is the German word for a sort of export, as in light beer, and decided to call it fucking hell. So, fucking hell, people, if you're listening to this, <laughs> we are looking for show, for show sponsors. Please do get in touch. We have slots for you. And get... we like your beer. Uh, and we, we like your beer. Of course we do. <laughs> yes. Do we <laughs> No, it's just not Stratterbecker Atlantic Ale. It's also fucking hell. Okay. Do get in touch. I'm sure we can we can come to some sort of sponsorship arrangement. Okay. Um, these were my two vices. Anything else that um, we should... Yeah, of course. Next show, Martin. Do tell what's what's on next. That will be the third episode. Third episode, yes, yes. Well, by by then we will hopefully have had a inundation of feedback and requests from our listeners. Even so if, if sh- we sh- don't, sh- we will continue broadcasting. We will, of course, continue. <laughs> Not an empty threat. <laughs> <laughs> you have been warned. <laughs> Indeed, disclaimer: You have been warned. Yes. Excellent. So, if if you like two old farts rambling on <laughs> politics, <laughs> strange technology things that you haven't even heard about, or that might be your next job, do continue to listen. We do appreciate feedback. Um, the website again is called linuxinlaws.eu. No dashes, just one dot between EU and Linux. In-laws, um, the f- email address is feedback at linux.eu. As I said, the website is a work, is a labor of love and it's work in progress, but it will continue to thrive. We will continue to broadcast this on Hacker Public Radio. Can again, pleasure meeting you at, at FOSDEM. Keep up the good work. Um, we already spoke about the, uh, the intro music. Tough luck. We will continue to use our own music. Rest assured. No worries. And yes, anything else when before we close up the show? Look forward to the next one. Indeed. All the best and stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Spam. Feeling lonely and yearning for a little TLC? Fret not. 
Just go to russianbrides.com, supersizeyourlovelife.net or similar value-added websites and enter your email address. Within no time, you will receive wonderful, educating and passionate messages explaining the benefits of herbal remedies for your love life, offering you a fortune for the small favor of funneling a minor transaction from Nigeria through your bank account, and how to really get rich with cryptocurrencies, totally legit of course. You may even get that lucky break with a beautiful single lady right from Siberia who has been longing for a man or woman with only a few strings attached, just like you. Romance awaits. Or for the little price of a mail address. Spam. Keeping the world turning for the last 30 years. This could be you sponsoring Linux and Laws. Whether you are a budding bioweapon manufacturer looking to boost your sales for that next IPO, a wilting drug cartel seeking that particular edge to give the next rebound that long-awaited kick, or simply a small international group looking after service providing women and men of negotiable affection, we've got you covered. In accordance with our environmental direction, we especially want to hear from you if you are a producer of weapons of mass destruction with a special focus on sustainability, as we are aiming for this too, or trust representing recreational drug farmers with an explicit and proven fair trade track record. Let's work on this together for a better world to live in. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of Creative Commons Attribution, share like CC BY SA. Credits for the intro music go to Bluesy Roosters for their song Salute Market and to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow. You find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Gemendo, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> Listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.